safely. I knew there was going to be a few, a few missing, but uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. So we're going to talk about a place called, called here this morning. Uh, throughout our lives, a question arises and, uh, about this word here. And I'm going to share a little bit what lately, what this word here has come up in me. Um, but we're going to end up in an, an amazing place that we all want to call, and we all, most of us have already called here, okay? This question comes up periodically for me. How did I get here? Now, I've been working at the place where I do for, it'll be 25 years this month, and I've ended up in the parking lot of this place thinking, how did I get here? I don't even remember driving here. I've driven the same road for 25 years back and forth. Same, same thing goes when I get home. How did I get here? I don't remember turning at anything. But have you ever had that happen to you? Or you do something, you're so routine in your life. How did I, how did I get here? I don't even remember. Was I sleeping? And speaking of work, about two months ago, I was at my desk, and I thought, I was thinking about how long I've been there, and I don't know how to, I didn't know how to really uh, think about this, but I thought, I have been here half my life, and I was, I didn't know whether to be happy about that or sad, I don't know. But uh, I, I enjoy my job. But I just thought, wow, I'm, I'm at a place where I've been here half my life. Half my life. And uh, it just kind of like, I just paused on that and thought a little bit. I thought, That's, that seems like a long time. Yeah, retirement. People ask me that. Are you going to retire soon? But uh, I'm one of the old guys now. But it, it is interesting, especially since I told the president uh, and the vice president and the controller at the time, they're all siblings, who interviewed me, and the president said, how long do you think you'll be here? And I said, ah, year and a half, two years maybe. So I don't even know how I got the job uh, with, that, with that answer. But um, yeah, that was one moment where I thought, how, how did I get here to this point? How did I get here 25 years? And then uh, even, in our, even in our house, uh, we've been in our house for going on maybe 14 years or something like that. And uh, sometimes I think, how... How did I get here in this house still? My wife wanted to move out a year after we got into it. And, and my son's school ends at eighth grade, and he has to go on to another high school, and we're going to move a little bit north into that district. Oh, we got plenty of time. Plenty of time. He's got one, one year left in the school before he makes the transition. So how do we get here so fast, right? And then... Uh, We've all seen these TV shows, right? Hoarders, right? I don't. I haven't watched them in forever. There's one that stood out to me. I remember watching. I came in on it, and this person was crawling on stacks of newspapers. I'm talking. Some rooms were like this far from the ceiling, crawling. They couldn't hardly get through the doorways into other rooms. And I thought. I wonder if the thought occurred to him, how did I get here? How did I get to this point where I'm crawling 
to get into other rooms. I, it was bizarre. And then there was another uh, show me and my wife used to watch a lot um, on the, uh, I was on Animal Planet, I think. Um, I think it was an Animal Cop show. But I'm not going to go into the details, but basically there was 247 cats in this house. The person who allowed that fiasco to take place got so overwhelmed with living in the house that they moved out to the garage. And I think some of the cats moved out there too. They roamed back and forth. But I thought, how, how, how do you get there? How does a person get here? I wonder if that's ever occurred to them as they're sitting out in the garage because they've been forced out of the house because of all the cats. How did I get here? That's bizarre. You know, maybe, maybe we ask this question a lot. Maybe when we wake up and look in the mirror, how did I get here? <laughs> and that could mean a lot of different things. You know, in a, in a more maybe negative sense, how did, I, how did I get here in this addiction that I've battled my entire life? How, how did I get here? How am I still here? Why can I shake this? Or relationships. How did I get here in this marriage that started out so awesome? How did I get here? We're like roommates now. I don't even know them. Or maybe it's your relationship with your kids or friends or whatever. How did I get here? I think, I think those thoughts sometimes. Not about my marriage, though. Since we're in church, I'll bring up something spiritual. Our spiritual walk, our life in Christ. Maybe you're in a place of apathy. How did I get here? Maybe you're in a place of where you feel dry and a little hopeless. How did I get here? We've all had those questions, right? And thinking about people throughout the Word of God, throughout the Bible, starting with Adam and Eve. I can't even imagine that question if they asked themselves that. How did we get here? And on maybe a little bit of a humorous note, I was thinking about that. Of course, that's, you know, reg regret's an understatement on that moment. But I wonder if they talked amongst themselves, like, should we ever tell the kids the way it was before? How long do we keep this a secret? Uh, it was just a thought that kind of went through my mind. But how did I get here? Job. Think of Job. Think of uh, Joseph. Constantly asking. Finding himself in a pit, thrown in there from his brothers, sold into slavery. I'm sure the thought, uh, he's an example of Jesus to us. He's actually a perfect picture of Jesus, but I'm sure the thoughts cross his mind. This isn't fair. What did I do to deserve this? How did I get here? And David, you know, he, he asked that, I'm sure, a few times. And the prodigal son, and a pig sty, eating pig slop. How did I get here? We've all, we've all had this question, right? 
But here is where we need to be focused. The here that, we, that needs to be preeminent in our thinking, the here that needs to be supreme in our thoughts is our position in Christ. No matter where we are physically, geographically, emotionally, here in Christ is where we need to remain. In our thinking, our focus. And I'm not saying it's easy. We all, we all know that it's relative. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5.17, even though Pastor Chad already read it this morning. I love that when that happens. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Thank God. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings new life. The previous moral and spiritual condition, in a nutshell, it was we were dead sinners. That's what the Bible says. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. But Christ still died for us. And that's amazing. He didn't die for good little boys and girls. He died for enemies. He died for people who hated him. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Not God so loved the people that behaved right and thought, ah, it's probably worth it. No, he, he, he loved the whole world. And he gave Jesus. And as we go along, this is a relative thing also. Depending on when you chose to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm guessing most of us have, I'm assuming most of us have. But as you go along in your journey, you don't feel like a new creature. You feel like you're kind of an old creature now. I'm kind of an old creature. No. We were born again of incorruptible seed. Incorruptible seed. Have you ever felt like an old creature? I, I've gotten into that mindset. I don't feel like a very new creature anymore. No, that new creature... It's a, I've heard, heard somebody expound on that. It's a new species of being that never existed before. And that's who you are. That's who God says you are. When you step into newness, newness of life in Christ Jesus. We are awakened to this reality of our need for a Savior. I was at 13 years old. But sometimes, somehow, we drift off. And we start feeling like that old creature. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Every day he's got new mercies for you. Every morning when we wake up, it says his mercies are new every morning. His grace is always sufficient. He wants us to be just as excited as we were the first day. That's it. That's it. We, we need to be burning white hot. And uh, I just... By the end of this, I, I hope we grasp this and embrace this and that it's, it's possible. It's possible. God has just really been doing a work in me 
and uh, stirring a stirring in me lately. And I don't believe that this this message is just not for me, but it's for you. It's for somebody here. Luke seventeen twenty one. Jesus says, "For indeed the kingdom of God is within you," and that's amazing. You know that the kingdom of God is God and His His domain. The Bible says in Romans fourteen seventeen, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians five twenty one says, "For He made Him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him." You hear this over and over and over and over, and you're not going to stop hearing it over and over. I think sometimes about those ministers that have preached the same message, the same two verses their entire life, their entire 60 years of ministry. They said, we do it because you haven't gotten it yet. I never get tired of hearing that I have been put into right standing with God because of Jesus. No matter how I behave, no matter how many times I screw up, he still sees me in Christ. He still sees me through the blood of of Jesus, the one he sent to save me. And that's good news. John 14, 21, Jesus himself said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives you, but it's my peace. And all throughout the gospels, we see his peace in action. Just the one, the one that st- stands out to me is when he, they were in the storm in the boat and he spoke peace to the storm. That's the kind of peace that he gave us, his peace. And then Nehemiah 8.10, we get that verse, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And as I was looking, I couldn't remember the address for that. So I was kind of looking into it in my studies. And I I heard something, I read something that I've never read before. And uh, I got excited. I almost started jumping up and down a little bit. But I pray that this is even... I get even more of the revelation of this. This, this is amazing. I'm going to read Hebrews 12 too before I explain this. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus said, it, it was said of Jesus before the, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And we've said it from here. We were the joy that was set before him. Now let's go back to Nehemiah 8.10. It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I immediately think, just like this writer that I was reading, thought, you know, joy, you think, fruit of the Spirit, okay? No, the joy, it says, the joy of the Lord. You're the joy of the Lord. When, when God looks at you, He is joyful. And that should be strength to your spirit. When He looks at you, He is joyful. He dances and spins over us. He rejoices over us. And for me, I'm like, that gives me strength in my spirit. No matter how I behave, no matter what I do, he's joyful over me because he sees me in Christ, this place of here that we want to remain. The joy of the Lord is my strength because I and what makes him joyful, among other things. Pastor Chad says it all the time. You know, God's never had a bad day. He's not in a bad mood. No, he's, 
He is joyful over you. He's joyful over you because of Jesus. He rejoices over you. He rejoices when we have chosen to embrace Jesus. When he first embraced us. It'll hit you. It'll hit you. But we are his joy. That just hit me so hard when I read that. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, fill your minds with beauty and truth. We just read some beauty and truth. I'll continue reading this verse in a second. I forgot to say something, but I heard somebody mention something they saw on a, a show regarding diamond smuggling. And this doesn't really come as a surprise, but how one way smugglers will do it, of course, is they'll swallow it, carrying it around. But he brought the, the illustration. He used that as an illustration. Isn't it amazing? God's just like that. He came and put his whole kingdom inside of us, and we're smuggling this around, this treasure in earthen vessels. Everywhere we go, the kingdom goes. We take the kingdom, and it's supposed to not just stay in us, but come out and spread out. And Garden of Edens should be flourishing everywhere we go. I thought that was, an inter that was a great illustration. A great illustration. He works from the inside out. So let's read uh, again. Let's try to do this. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, fill your minds with beauty and truth. Meditate. On whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is virtuous and praiseworthy. We can control our thoughts. And the devil wants to create strongholds in our mind to keep us, to prevent us from living this victorious life in Christ. How many know that? The devil has been defeated. Jesus defeated the devil at the cross. All he has are lies and deceptions. If he can get our minds thinking a certain way, he can control our choices, he can control our lives. Right? That's what he wants. He wants control. He wants a foot in the door. He wants complete control of you. He doesn't care if you come to church. He wants to control what you think. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you're going to live a victorious life. We're here. Part of this is, is to renew our mind to his truth, to his word. Renew our minds to the word of God. That's the truth. And these strongholds that he wants to build in our lives, in our minds, are both rational and irrational. And we're going to see that in this next verse in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. We're not in a physical war against people, okay? But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We are given authority over thoughts. We are given authority in our lives over vain imaginations 
And every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Rational strongholds. This word imaginations is the Greek word logismos. We get the word logic from it. This is something I, I would say that would, out of the two, the irrational and rational thinking strongholds, this is where I get, would get hung up. Your logical reasoning. That's what he likes us to get bogged down into. Logical reasoning can talk you out of obeying God so quick. You can think of a hundred reasons that this is not a good idea. I bet you when Pastor Chad, God dropped a vision for this church in him. He shared some a little bit, but it didn't make sense. It didn't all make sense. You can reason yourself out of anything. And I have. And I'm sure you have too. Reasoning could rob you of so many blessings that God has in store for you. But as his children, we are to walk by faith and not by sight. Faith, our complete and whole and total trust in him and his goodness. And, um, you know, things that... It, God never promised any of this would make sense. Nothing makes sense about the kingdom of God to the natural mind, really. But it's about faith. And we see those who walk before us in the word and our lives who have chosen to walk by faith against natural reasoning, against human reasoning and logic that tries to weigh us down. And irrational strongholds, everybody knows what they are. Fears, worries, anxieties, intimidations. They're meant to create this false reality that we respond to. We make choices based on. And the devil, does, the devil just wants to take us out. The devil just wants complete destruction in our lives. He's come to steal, to kill, destroy. If he can do it through irrational strongholds, fear, Worry, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm... You're creating a false reality. He doesn't care how he takes you out, whether it's through logical reasoning or lies of uh, building uh, irrational thoughts and a false reality. He wants to take us out. There is a war for our soul. And we just need to be aware in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, we have authority over those. And here's a great piece of good news. I, I heard a minister, uh, if you want to look him up, he, he's a, a great teacher. I've, I've heard him a couple times. His name is Dutch Sheets. And uh, he's got a big, a lot, a lot of his ministry is, is re related to prayer. And I thought, when I heard this truth, I thought, that's amazing. But this, this, this verse we talked about where we have authority to, 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 to pull down strongholds um, by casting down those vain imaginations that the enemy brings against us. We can pray these over others. We can pray these over our loved ones, our family, whatever. And I do. When I know the enemy is attacking someone in their mind, I've done it a lot this week. We can pray these prayers. Very simply, Father, I take every single vain imagination coming against so-and-so. 
I capture those thoughts and I command them to be obedient to Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for freeing that individual. You, however you want to apply that, you can pray this prayer over somebody you know is maybe not in the right mind. Maybe somebody who's lost their mind. Pray these prayers over them. I would encourage that. Recalculating. God is in the recalculating business. Recalculating. We all know about that, right? Whatever phone app you use or whatever uh, GPS you use, you've heard this word many times. But um, when I thought of this in terms of of people's lives, I thought, yep, that's just like Joseph in the Bible. There was a constant recalculating. Oh, it looks like he's in the pit. Well, he's moving out. He's being sold into slavery. Wait a minute, recalculating. He's like a cork being pushed down in the water. No matter how far he got pushed down, he always rose to the top. That's pretty awesome. It's kind of like in the forefront of my mind because I'm kind of going through that passage right now in the Bible and, and uh, it's pretty neat. But... Um, yeah. How many have ever had God recalculate in their life? I've had a, it's constantly. Don't ever feel, that. I, I've come to a point, I came to a point in my life, I actually, it's crazy thinking, I felt too far gone. I thought God was so mad at me, so disappointed in me. He's done with me. All right, you've screwed up too many times. You're done. No, he just recalculated Recalculated. God is the God of a million chances. Don't give up. Don't give up. He's for you. He's for you. Philemon 1.6. This is one way we can stir ourselves up. It says, That the communication of thy faith may become effectual, by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So start acknowledging what's in you. Even if you feel like a dirty dog, you feel down and downtrodden and miserable and distraught. Start acknowledging. Start saying about you what God says about you. Who you are in Christ Jesus. There, I forgot the number, but there are so many in Christ verses in the Bible. Just do a little word study of in Christ and to see who you are in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 1.6 tells us to fan the flame, to, to stir ourselves up. And going back to those earlier verses about what we should be thinking on, about acknowledging every good thing that's in us, in Christ Jesus. That's how we can stir ourselves up. Even if, if it's that truth that God hit me with in my study that we are his joy. And that will bring strength to your spirit. It's so easy to look at our behavior, I know. The, devil, the enemy tries to take me out with that thought so many times. He just wants to condemn you, kick you when you're down. It's actually the best place, time to kick somebody is when they're already down. But he always wants to kick us when we're down and bring that condemnation. But we can flip that script and start encouraging ourselves in the Lord, just like David did when it was his 
One of his lowest points, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he stirred himself up and he fanned the flame. And reminded himself who his God was. And we can do the same thing. Amen? All right. Colossians 3.3 says, Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. This is where your life is. Your life is in Christ. God sees you in Christ. He never sees you out of Christ. Once you have made a decision, when you've seen your need for a Savior, and you declare, Jesus, you are my Lord. I believe that God sent you. You you were risen from the dead for me. I believe he sees you from that moment on in Christ Jesus. No other way. That's where your real life is. That's where your here is that you need to be focused on is in Christ. Seated in high and heavenly places, the word says. In previous verses, directs us to set our mind on things above. This is the thought of things above. Not things on the earth. Not bogged down with the stuff. Pastor Chad made a reference to that like in his recent trip out, out west. Just this really, the stuff just doesn't matter. You can get so bogged down. I mean, there are, you know, there are the responsibilities of life and your job and all that stuff, but we have the knowledge that, you know, this is temporary. We're just being faithful in what God has for us right now. And, but I had a, a, a lady I worked for for a few months in a bookstore, in a Christian bookstore back forever ago. But... Um, I was so excited about, I, I was too excited in the interview, just sharing my testimony. She was asking me something, but she was, you know, sharing my testimony and just so in love with Jesus. And um, just, I must have been too much for her to handle. I don't know. But uh, she said, you know, you can be so heavenly minded, but you're no earthly good. And I thought, it doesn't make any sense to me. But at the time, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't think anything about it. I was kind of young and I thought, well, maybe she knows what she's talking about. But I didn't really give it, pay it any mind. I've heard it said, you know, since then, here and there. But that's not, that's not what the Word teaches us here. That's not what the Word teaches us. Todd White, someone I listen to uh, uh, on a regular basis, um, said we should be so heavenly minded that we're earthly amazing. You know what? God, want, God wants heaven on earth. I don't see it any other way. The kingdom of God is in us. He wants it coming out of us, exploding everywhere we go. I don't see it any other way. If all you're doing is thinking about stuff around the earth and temporal things, how in the world is that ever going to happen? That's going to lead you to navel-gazing and self-centeredness and misery and whatever. So, but here in Christ, here in Christ is where we must remain in our mind. And we have the choice. We can choose our thinking. And if maybe you're hearing me right now, whether you're here or Facebook Live or in the future, in the future. But if you've never made in Christ a here location in your life, you can do it so easy. Romans twelve thirteen says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, 
If you believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, you'll be saved. It's very simple. When I was 13 years old, I, I couldn't have said it in these words, but man, I saw my need for a Savior. I saw myself heading straight for hell. And I cried out to Jesus, and he heard my cry, and he saved me. I, the truth is, he's, you know, sin's not a problem. The problem is sinner. And all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. And then you're a saint. You become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have right standing with God the Father. You're his joy before you accept Jesus or not. He was still overjoyed because from the foundation of the world, this was all done. The Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. This wasn't God's last minute. Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. Now this was planned out before we got here. This was planned out before we got here. And he wants to spend all of eternity, all of eternity, showing you his goodness, showing you his glory, lavishing his love on us. And I can't wait, but we don't have to wait. Eternal life is right now. It can start right now for you. So if you've never called out to Jesus, call out to Jesus. He's already embraced you. Just return the hug. Amen. Well, I hope you were blessed by this message. Um, God really stirred something in me, but God sees you in Christ. No matter how you see you, when you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, he never sees you any other way. He sees you victorious. He sees you as an overcomer. He sees you as his beloved son and daughter and never any different. You're always in right standing with him and you are his joy. So receive that. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. Lord, anyone in the sound of my voice that is not May Jesus, the Lord of their life. Maybe they're at their wit's end. Maybe they're wrapped up in addiction. Maybe you're just distraught. You've tried everything. Cry out to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. Holy Spirit, draw those in to the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Who is Jesus? The only way to the Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening our eyes, for awakening us to this beautiful truth of our position in Christ Jesus, our, our position seated in high and heavenly places in Christ. Thank you for your shed blood, Lord Jesus, at the cross that redeemed us, purchased us, cleanses us continually. And we just rest in our right standing with you. And we receive that beautiful truth that we are your joy. 
How could we ever doubt you would withhold anything else from us when you gave us your best? We receive that. And we walk by faith in that truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, church. Be blessed. Walk in that truth. Stir yourself up. Fan the flame. Have a great week.